practice to sing so beautifully. I want him to sing often and keep his voice in shape because I have a commitment from him that he's to sing at my funeral. Where does liberty lead us? Liberty is a wonderful thing. Freedom is a fascinating concept and reality for some and simply a dream for others. Liberty. The text this morning is in two places in the New Testament. The first is a fascinating experience in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. John records it for us in the ninth chapter of his Gospel. And as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. The other passage of Scripture that I want us to think about this morning is from the heart and the mind of Peter. In the first of his recorded letters, 1 Peter, the second chapter, beginning at the 13th verse, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Peter continues, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the King. 
As Susie has reminded us in the beautiful and wonderful lesson to our children, this is the 4th of July weekend. We celebrate the 215th birthday of our nation. In doing so, we celebrate freedom and liberty. And it gives us an opportunity to look back and to think and to remember some of the things that have caused our nation to be what we are as a nation. It's a good time to think. I like the waving of the flag. Unashamedly, I am a patriot. Something goes up and down my spine when the parade goes by and the red, white, and blue flutters in the breeze when the band sounds. I did not like it in that period of American life just past when patriotism was laughed at and scorned and looked down upon. And I like the resurgence of a devotion to the nation that is ours. Europe has, within these recent months, undergone literally a spasm of freedom. With it has come exaltation and happiness. But with their new freedoms has come tremendous problems. For 45 years, what appeared to be for so long a monolith of communism ruled over the very bodies and minds and souls and spirits and lives and families of countless millions and millions of people. Communism is now a dead animal. Oh, China doesn't know it yet, and Cuba still holds on as a little puppet nation. But communism is a thing of the past, and will go into the history books as an experiment that brought blight and hell itself to countless millions and millions of people. The German reunification received with such joy October a year ago by the German people is proving to have its share of problems. I was in Moscow on that October the 1st a year ago when the German nation was reunified and officially it was declared that the wall no longer existed between the old East and West German nations. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Siegen, Germany, there for the reunification of the two German Baptist unions. They had been separated for 31 years by the terrible tyranny of that wall. And here, Baptist brothers and sisters came together. Here, families who had not seen each other for over 30 years came into the large city of Deakin, and there, with the singing of, Bless me the tie that binds, 
there was on the great wall in the presence of the people a putting together of the unified map of Germany. And tears were flowing at what God was doing in their midst. At the same time, the great bear, Russia, the USSR, is on the edge of a vast civil war when the republics, each seeking to go their own way in their pursuit of individual liberties, threatens to bring about the destruction of the political structure of the USSR. I do not know how you feel when you look at television and you see the tanks rumbling through the streets in Yugoslavia, where two years ago, Baptist World Alliance General Council met. And there in the beautiful city of Zagreb, we sang to the glory of God as Pete Baptists from around the world came to worship him together. Baptists this very day are gathering in Montreal, Canada, representatives of Baptist bodies from 151 conventions around the world. And in the midst of our celebration of a unity, even little Yugoslavia is facing the breakup of the nation. There's a sadness, I think, that comes over me when I think of some of the things happening in our nation today. There are many reasons why America is a great nation. But surely we must put somewhere at the top of the list the fact that of the millions of immigrants who have come to this land, they have come into a melting pot to become Americans. They were Irish, we were Scottish, we were English or German or Italian or Japanese or any of the other languages and peoples of the world, but coming to this shore, we were melted together into a people called Americans. But something is happening to that concept today. In the very midst of a time when the world is seeking for new liberties and new freedoms, there are the various groups within America who no longer say we want to be Americans, but we must be identified by our ethnic background. And so we have the little blocks. The new buzzword is the mosaic. And every cultural background group wants to be separate some way while destroying something of the greatness of the unity of a people called Americans. It seems like in 1991, America is bent on removing, on taking away, on destroying, on making illegal any reference in any public gathering to the very name of God to the person of our blessed Savior, Jesus. And when the media takes on the basketball team for praying together, something is wrong in America. 
We do live in glorious times, but we do live also in perilous times. Too many Americans, I'm afraid, have forgotten some of the lessons of history. And because we are so forgetful, we will fall into the same holes and be cut by the same swords as those of the past. And the great march of the civilizations of this world. Oh, we could begin a long time before Egypt, but certainly Egypt held sway. And for millenniums, the pharaohs of Egypt could whisper a word, and that would be done, and it would affect the lives of millions of people. Once upon a time, Egypt was the very center of the world. But after a while, that center moved to Jerusalem. And there, a people under the lordship of God himself, that people became a people dedicated to serving him, to sharing his word, to, to telling a world that God himself is alive the only true and everlasting God. But there came that time when they forgot God and the center of the world shifted to another place, ancient Babylon. You say, well, why just talk about old ancient history? Well, old Babylon is not just ancient history. We're having problems this morning with old ancient Babylon, and today we call it Iraq. But back then, Old Babylon was the very center of the civilized world. But it moved, the center moved, it moved over to Athens and amidst the glories of an architecture there to house the schools of philosophy where men and women would come together and talk about the deepest matters of mind and heart and soul. Athens became the very center of the universe. But it didn't last long. And the center of power moved to Rome. And Rome became that place where the Caesars ruled and the legions marched. And out over all of the civilized world, the legions moved to the glory of Rome itself. But Rome became so wicked and so evil Rome cared only for itself and for its own gratification that the center shifted again. And we watched the center of the universe move to old Constantinople, old Byzantium, now Istanbul. An ancient and a glorious civilization was there. The caliph, the sultans, of old ancient Istanbul held sway, and they sent forth their armies and their navies, and they made men tremble and die. But that did not last long either, as history recounts the length of years. For the center of the political and economic world moved from Istanbul to Vienna. Go to Vienna. Ride around. Look at some of the most magnificent architecture on the face of the earth. 
beautiful palaces, wonderful castles, wonderful government buildings of every kind, Cathedral St. Stephen's in the midst. A little slip of a girl said to us as we were looking around at some of the beauty of the vastness of those architectural beauties there in Vienna, said, I guess you wonder why a little tiny Austria has such marvelous buildings as are here in Vienna. And then she reminded us of a great history. The Habsburgs ruled for a thousand years. The Habsburgs had members of their family upon all the thrones of Europe. And it was tied together. And from Vienna, the emperors ruled with an iron hand. That's not so distant in the past. I was in Vienna last year and went into the crypt where I had been a number of times where the ancient Habsburg royalty are buried down in the catacombs under a church in the very middle of Vienna. And the newest casket placed there had been placed there just two weeks before. It was of the Empress Zia, who at 92 years of age had died in Switzerland, the widow of the last emperor of the old empire of the Habsburgs. But after the First World War, it shifted again. And the center of power shifted from Vienna to London. And London became the empire, whereas their motto was, the sun never sets on the British Empire. And their colonial enterprise went everywhere, all the continents of the earth, the very center of all the world. And what a wonderful and glorious influence for good in so many ways was the influence of London. After the Second World War, I suppose during the days of that Second World War, those of us who were in that war could not see the shift of power, but it was happening in the midst of the planning, in the midst of the supplying of the war machines of the Allies, the center of power shifted from London to Washington. Washington, that humid, hot place where in the early days the British government paid their diplomats tropical extra wage for being stationed in Washington. And having lived there for a couple of years just recently, I can understand that. And it is no accident of history that our State Department is located in an area of Washington called Foggy Bottom. Some of our policies certainly seem to come out of a foggy bottom. Washington. Since the Second World War, Washington has been the center of power. Washington has been the seat of the International Bank. Washington has been the military and the political leader of the world. Two years ago, there was an essay in Time magazine. And that essay said, it is just very, very possible that we are now 
in a post-America phase of history. For it seems that the center of power is shifting to the Pacific Rim, and Tokyo is becoming the new center of world power. Twenty years ago, in America, it is estimated that some 75% of Americans could be found in some place of worship at least once a week. The latest Gallup poll that I have read indicates that currently some 47% of Americans can be found in any place of worship. That's a church, or that's a cathedral, or it's a synagogue, or it's a mosque, or a voodoo temple. Any kind of worship, 47% of Americans is the current figure. Well, you'd say that's pretty good. Pretty good. England today, which has had in its past such a wonderful so-called Christian experience and Christian imprint, in England today, on this Lord's Day, only 2% of the English people will be found in any church today. And if you go across the channel to France, that supposedly Catholic nation, you'll find that only 1% of the total French nation will be found in anybody's church today. You see, I think Americans and American Christians and those of us in the churches had better remember history and what history is all about and we'd better not throw away our present and our future because we forget or do not understand our heroic past. John said, and Jesus passed by a blind man, and he saw the blind man, and he felt the blind man's needs, and he stopped, and he healed him. We don't have time to talk about the theological debate of why the man was blind. The disciples wondered and Jesus answered, study it and pray about it for yourself. But the emphasis of this morning is this, that Jesus passed by that man and he saw that man's needs and he met that man's needs. I think that is a part of the greatness of America's past. No other nation on the face of the earth has been as free with its resources as the American nation in 215 years. It became the, the saying, if you want to be prosperous in this world, go to war with America, for then we'll build you up. Look at the Marshall Plan after the Second World War. Thank God for that, for the building up of a devastated Europe. Oh, how we need to remember that in the liberty that Jesus had to do anything, to say anything, to go anywhere, that he chose as the eternal Son of God. Jesus walked the dusty road and he reached out his hand and he blessed. And as long as America will do that, America will be blessed of God. There are signs that we're changing from the decade ago of the generation of the meism 
the yuppie generation that just said, me, me, me. Thank God that seems to be changing. More and more reaching out their hands to touch and to bless others. And so it is then that we have the instructions from God himself coming to us in the matter of liberty. We celebrate liberty. We rejoice in our liberty. Remembering that around the world there are literally millions of people who have no liberty. They have no freedom. And if we'll remember where ours comes from and the foundation of it, and then determine that we will be, continue to be exporters of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's the greatest gift we can give to the peoples of the world. Peter, in writing, gave us the biblical clue and the way that we should live when he said, live as free men. You're a child of an eternal king. Don't live like a beggar out on the streets. Don't live like you're in the midst of a dungeon, grumbling and griping. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Liberty. Liberty leads either to life or death. Liberty will lead you either to an inward satisfaction or to a surliness. Liberty will lead you either to power unimagined in your life or to a puniness that is not worthy of the name of Jesus. Liberty, your liberty, will bring you to deliverance or to destruction, to Christ or to chaos, to happiness or to helplessness. Jesus used his liberty, and he made the right decisions, and he blessed wherever he went. Use your liberty as a Christian to reach out a hand where the blind can see, and the lame can walk, and the hungry are fed, and the downtrodden are lifted up, and the discouraged have hope. Where does liberty lead? Well, liberty to worship has brought you to this house this morning. Some of us are here because we want to be. Some of us are here because we look forward to coming. Some of us are here because a husband or a wife said, get up, get dressed, and we're going. Some of you are here because mom and dad said, no, you can't stay home, you're going to church. Some of you are here, you're not really sure why, but you're here. In the freedom that is ours, you're here. And I put on your heart to make the decision this morning in your freedom that you will enthrone Christ and make him the ruler of your life and publicly say so. In the freedom that is yours, I ask you to come. If you're a Christian, if you're a Baptist and you live in our area, you live in our city, come with your life, not your church membership, come with your life and with your talents and with your abilities and in the freedom that God gives you. Exercise them here in the midst of a church family that'll love you. 
What's your decision? Where does your liberty lead you? Hymn number 283, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee in the liberty that's ours. Make that your prayer. And as we stand and sing together, come, publicly accepting and professing Christ, come now as we stand and sing.